Well, I do have something to say. Uh, what did you think of my text today where the minimalist liked my tweet? I feel like this is like peak awesomeness. Like I, I feel is, like there's no nowhere else to go. Amazingness. Yeah, I felt I felt initially very excited and then also a little embarrassed and sad for myself about how excited I was about this. <laughs> no about, way. Like, the fact that they're my celebrities. <laughs> Welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about dabbling in self-improvement 30 days at a time. We are one week into our decluttering challenge and we are playing the MIMS game. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada, and with me is my much more disciplined and so happy to be decluttering friend, Jenny. That's me, Jenny Kaus, a marketing professional trying to contain my excitement all the way from St. Thomas, Ontario. I'm a small town gal and I'm a really big believer in the power of habits. I'm doing my best to whip our guinea peg, see what we did there, into shape and hold her accountable to habit changes that she's undertaking one month at a time. But I'm playing along too and as we take on a new habit each month, we're hoping that we're inspiring you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive and overall just your own best self. So we are now one week into our monthly challenge of decluttering. Yeah, order, we are. <laughs> yeah, we are. In order to bring a little of the outer order equals inner calm vibe to our lives, we are embracing the men's game. So to recap, here's how the men's game goes. On day one, you get rid of one thing. On day two, two things. On day three, three things. And so on until you reach the end of the month. And that'll be 31 days total. And if you make it all the way to the end of 31 days, this will culminate in the elimination of 496 items from your home and will help you to take a closer look at your relationship with your things. And also get a little bit more ruthless about purging. So we want to do this to bring a little zen to our lives and shake off this long winter and get ourselves ready for spring. So Jenny, as we have uh, constantly uh, reiterated, is a big lover of keeping it sparse and has been looking forward to this month. One weekend, Jenny, how is the challenge going for you? <laughs> when you said sparse, it made me think of a word that I uh, coined with Jeff when describing how I like an environment to feel. What is it? Sparsical. <laughs> Sparsical? And what's the yeah. combination? Sparse and... Uh, I like it to feel kind of cold and uh, uncluttered. <laughs> Sparsical. Okay. Yeah, not too cozy. Sparsical. Sparsical. Okay. I like it's it. It's like Spartan kind of, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're a bit so, of a weirdo. I like you. Uh, yeah, it's nice that you said a bit. Um, inaccurate, but we'll take it. All right. Uh, so a week in, how's the challenge going for me? Uh, awesome. <laughs> so we got, we're one week in and I think that the first week is easy. You're right. building some momentum. You're getting rid of some things. Really... The first, the first week, easy. It's smooth sailing for me until about, I don't know, would you say week three when you hit some of those higher numbers? It's like when you hit 21, yeah, 22. Yeah, that's when it gets really like, you yeah. got to get down to the, down to the, the deal. Yeah. So I don't know. This week I got rid of some old bedding that I had saved. Sometimes I save fabric for projects around the house. 
I got rid of it. I realized I'm not going to use it. Awesome. A plant pot that I wasn't using. Uh, Some magazines. I passed on some clothing, Ethan's clothing that didn't fit anymore to friends. And even some little plastic toys that were at the bottom of Ethan's toy bin that he won't miss. Some Happy Meal toys. So it feels really good to get some of this stuff out. And I know we're not even going to miss it. And uh, so that's felt good. How about you? I see you're doing kind of more of a cluster of releasing photos rather than kind of a day by day. And I, and I, I feel like I just have to say, this has been a challenge for me as a non-frequent social media user. It's really hard to remember to go on Twitter every day and post this picture. But you've done. I've noticed that you did it every day. So that's great. Yes. Well, because I set myself a reminder. Great work. Well, I did the first four days as a roundup because I wasn't really like prepared to get going on it. But now I think I am going to try posting every day because I feel like it really helps me to stay accountable and to the game. And it also hopefully will allow our listeners playing along to stay motivated as they're doing the men's game as well. So um, so look for, uh, for our posts on the social media. Jenny's at Jake house on Twitter and I'm at Dr. Peggy Malone on Instagram. You'll find those there and use the hashtags, the improvement project, as well as hashtag men's game. And then we'll be able to check those out. So for me this week, I got rid of a cat carrier and this was a bit tough for me because it was a reminder after we lost our cat in December that we yeah. don't have a cat anymore. But yeah. a friend of mine who is moving needed a cat carrier. And I was like, I have oh. one. So I was like, you know what? Oh. It's like, it's going on to somebody that needs it. Someday if I ever get a new cat, I'll get a new cat carrier. And for now, it's just in the men's game. So that's good. That's um, I also got rid of some mugs and glasses that we never use. Um, and I'm also now, because this has started, in the mindset of scouring the house, uh, looking for things to men's game. And uh, sometimes I go overboard and John has to talk me down from get a, getting rid of something that he still uses or needs. <laughs> Uh, that I was ready to toss. So I have to make sure I check in with him before I get rid of things. And do you know what a nice thing you're talking about passing on that cat carrier? I really like the concept of, um, they say like putting something into rotation. Yeah. Like putting it kind of back out into the world so that it can be used by someone else who needs it and having the belief that when you need something, it'll show up again. Yeah. It'll be like, you'll, you'll have it either. You'll get one some way or that'll show up. But just that, you know, there's no point in things kind of sitting in your home for the just in case or that's, you know, maybe one day scenario is it's good to get those things out there and get them useful uh, in other people's hands. And and it certainly makes it a little easier. I know for me, it, it takes away a little bit of the sadness, you know, letting go of certain things, even of Ethan's, you know, when you know you're giving it to someone someone who will get use out of it. You're right. Feels great. Yeah. So, Peg, can we nerd out on this topic for just a moment? Absolutely. Because you know that I love, love, love talking about this. No. And I have some very strong feelings about the connection between our environments and our mental state. I think that there is so much power in our surroundings to impact our inner state and our mindset. Just as our online pretend best friend Gretchen Rubin says... Inner order equals outer calm. I feel like this resonates so deeply with me, and I believe that our homes should be a place that help us feel restored and not burdened. It can be stressful to look around our homes and see undone jobs, things that need to be put away, and basically what I think all clutter really amounts to, and that is unmade decisions. 
Yeah, a recent definitely. article. Oh, like, and if you really think about it, it really is like, I'm just even looking around at things on our bulletin board. For example, I can see a flyer for signing Ethan up for soccer, one for signing him up for baseball, a lottery ticket. Um, there's a couple things here and they're unmade decisions. We're not sure if he's going to play soccer. We're not sure if he's going to play baseball. We might've already signed him up actually. And like, I just look at each one of these things and I could solve that whole board of stuff within 10 minutes, probably. Yeah. Oh, that's, right? that's cool to think about it that way. Yeah. So it's an interesting way to look at your things. In addition to this, a recent article from the New York times called the unbearable heaviness of clutter states that of recent research on this topic, the findings add to a growing body of evidence that clutter can negatively impact mental well-being, particularly among women. Clutter can also induce a physiological response, including increased levels of cortisol, which is a stress hormone. This study talked about the role of procrastination in clutter and basically, if you're more of a procrastinator, you're more likely to have loads of clutter. Don't you find that interesting? Yeah. Wow. Well, and it comes back to the unmade decisions. It's like, yes, get after it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and there I'm... really is something to be said for getting rid of stuff because I feel like I can breathe. Like, I feel like I had this load yeah. on my shoulders that I didn't know was there. I take it to the thrift store and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this lightness that I didn't really understand was all I had to do was get rid of the stuff. Yeah. I think, um, I always think about this when I drive past Goodwill or when I just leave there and I think about, you know, the one we have in St. Thomas, you kind of pull up in front and they have kind of a drive-through scenario. And I think every time I see a car driving out of it, I think that person feels so (laughs) good right now. That car is way lighter. Oh man. It's the best when you like get rid of a load of stuff. Oh yeah. That's therapeutic. It's fantastic. Oh yeah. All right. So as we mentioned last week, it's no wonder that we are all feeling the burden of clutter. We live in a time where we have the ability to acquire more than ever due to more cheaply produced goods. From fast fashion to dollar stores, we don't think twice about picking up that item because it's such a great deal. Our homes have become filled with these items that we bring into our homes and can begin to be a burden. An entire industry has been built upon organizing our things. And after the excess of Christmas, we see stores start to promote various products to help us to get organized to deal with all of our new stuff. From totes to shelves, there are loads of things being marketed to us to help us sort out all of our stuff. We mentioned Joshua Becker on our last podcast, and he has a really interesting story about what motivated him to begin his decluttering journey. Joshua found himself cleaning out his garage while his wife was cleaning bathrooms inside the house and his five-year-old son was playing in the backyard. His son was asking him to play, but Joshua was busy cleaning out the very full garage. Joshua's neighbor witnessed the scene and said, maybe you don't need to own all this stuff. Josh said that This juxtaposition was striking. My possessions piled up in the driveway, my son in the backyard. My day slipping away, I immediately recognized that something needed to change. My belongings were not adding value to my life. Instead, they were subtracting from it. We began donating, recycling, and removing our unnecessary personal possessions. We embarked on an intentional journey to own less stuff. 
I think that this is a very powerful story because it shows that truly if we don't get intentional, instead of owning things, our things can own us. Joshua wasn't using his time in the way that he truly wanted to because he was in service of his stuff. We also mentioned Josh and Ryan of The Minimalists, and they say that their drive is to live a meaningful life with less. They say that they were suit-and-tie corporate guys and were successfully earning six figures, had big homes, cars, all of the traditional markers of success, but didn't feel fulfilled. Through letting go of the majority of their material possessions, they were free to pursue deeper meaning in their lives and get intentional about their time. Check out the documentary on Netflix called Minimalism if you want to learn more about this. And these are the same guys that started the men's game that Jenny and I are playing this month. Yeah. We could go on and on about the many people who have pursued a more intentional life by letting go of possessions. But truly, you don't have to become a minimalist to feel the benefit of some decluttering in your life. You will be surprised at how amazing you feel by letting go of some things and how resolving some of those unmade decisions will help you have some renewed energy for your space. So please, it's not too late to join us in the men's game. If you haven't already, if you're taking part, we would love to hear how it's going for you. So if you're seven days in or 14 days in, or if it's like a whole new month and you're listening to this, you know, months after we've recorded it, just get started. Day one, get rid of one thing and off you go. It really does make a big difference. Sure does. And now it is time for a segment where we are going to dig a little deeper into our personalities, which can be terrifying, which we call, who are you anyway? We're going to take this question and give our own perspectives on this topic with the goal of understanding ourselves a little bit better. This week's who are you anyway question is, what are the things that you have that you could not part with, or you might struggle to part with? Are there things that you want to part with, but you can't because of guilt. What do you think, Peg? Well, I, I, when I was thinking about this, I have a few knickknacky things that were given to me or to John and I as gifts, and I'm having trouble getting rid of them because I feel a bit guilty that someone bought for us. So, and I think this is common. So yeah. I think that it was Marie Kondo that says that when you're faced with this conundrum, you should say a silent thank you to the person that gave you the item and thank the item for the time it was in your life and then let it go. Because if you're mm-hmm. only keeping it because it's making you feel guilty... It's not really serving you. So it's okay to let it go and it's okay to part with it. Yeah. So um, in terms of if there's anything that um, I would struggle with, I feel like uh, when it really comes down to it, there's not really anything in my world possession-wise that I would be sad or that I would really, it would be a terrible thing if it was gone. So in a morbid way, I have this, I guess it's a fantasy or it's sort of thinking about it in a weird way. Where you imagine what would happen if the house was burning down? What are the mm-hmm. things that you would want to save? So yeah. I thought, I've thought about this quite a bit. And I'm like, I imagine I'd want my computer or, and my phone just because I have access to all of my documents. But all those documents, even if I didn't get those things, are in the cloud. I've, I've set up this world so that my photos are all in the cloud. So even if my computer was in the fire and my phone was in the fire, I still have access to those important things. So there's mm-hmm. some like maybe photos or some nostalgic things. But really as long as my people are safe, there's nothing really that I can't replace if I need to. So this is one of the cool things about thinking about your stuff and learning that really it doesn't matter what it is. As long as your people and the people around you and your, if your animals are safe, then you can get stuff back if you need to. So it's kind of a cool place to put your brain. Like what if the house burned down? Number one, what would I want to save? And number two, what would I replace? (laughs) 
So isn't that the interesting thing? And side note, that is an interesting thing that Josh and Ryan of the minimalists talk about. Yeah. And this is a thing that Ryan did. Have you heard about this? Where he, they call it a packing party. So you take all of your stuff and you pack it as if you're moving and say you would put it all in your garage You pack everything up in boxes. Okay. And then what you do is as you need things, you unpack them, but you don't just unpack everything. You only go get and unpack things as you need them. Whoa, that's hardcore. <laughs> and then you, you stay this way for a couple of months and then presumably anything that you can live with for maybe it's even six months. Do you really need it? Wow. That's crazy. Isn't that hardcore? That's totally hardcore. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to go that hardcore, but it's a neat, it's a neat thing to think about for sure. Well, and it, you know, we talk about Marie Kondo. She has her method, you know, where you take all the things, you put them in a pile, you pick them up, you figure out if it sparks joy. Right. There's that way of doing it. Um, you know, there's this way of doing it, the packing party. There's so many different kind of strategies that you can take, you know. Um, but I, I do think that there's a lot of power in removing things and only putting things back. And Marie Kondo does this. Um, Josh and Ryan talk about this. And there was a very popular show that got me very interested in this years and years ago with Peter Walsh. And it was called Clean Sweep. And this was the technique that they used. And I, I believe that there's so much power in it. Even if you're going through your closet and you're looking for things to get rid of, you might not pull things out that you don't want. But if you have to put them back in because you want to keep them, it's a very different thing. Right. So there's something psychologically different about it. Okay. What about you? How do you answer this question? Okay. So we are talking about, let me look at the question again. What are the things you have that you could not part with or you would struggle to part with? Well, this is easy for me because I'm struggling to part with something right now, which um, is odd for me, but it's that play kitchen of my son's. This we is talked a, about this last week. Yeah. Oh, it's a wooden kitchen. I got secondhand and I redid it to look all retro and it's adorable. It is so cute. And I, I uh, put it online to sell and uh, I've had lots of interest in it, but I haven't been able to let it go. Um, but I mean, also common when you're selling something online, lots of people say they're interested in but then they don't follow up to actually pick the thing up. So Is this I am one of those gonna... situations where if you knew somebody that had a child of the right age and they were like somebody that you know it would be well used, you'd feel better about it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny. It's just there isn't someone right now. Like I just age-wise, there's no one really like my niece already has a kitchen. Otherwise, I would give it to her. Sure. My nephew's far too young and it's big. It's not like you would have to have some space for it. Um, And there's a little matching high chair and a crib that go with it that I like made all sewed like things that match. Anyway, well, there's like a lot of emotional charge associated with Ethan being younger. I get it. Like it's one of those things. And you know what? He never even really enjoyed playing with it. I did. And (laughs) I just really enjoyed because I uh, worked on it. I feel more connected to it, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. I'm that said, I there's nothing that I could not get rid of, but there are a couple of like I find I get attached to furniture. Oh yeah. So for me it's not knickknacks, little not things like that. It's furniture, like bigger things. So I have a antique dresser that I have had since I was three. And 
it's in my living room and we keep all of our puzzles and board games in it. And I have a mid-century modern swivel chair that belonged to my grandparents. And that's in my living room. It was the rocking chair that I used in Ethan's room when he was a baby. And I love it. It's so comfortable. And um, and it's got a little bit of sentimental uh, as well to it. Sure. And I have, you've seen in my office, I have a cool old wooden, uh, it's from the railway. It's a filing cabinet and yeah. it has 10 drawers, like these little 10 drawers. It's so useful for organizing things. And I have a, uh, my great grandmother's steamer trunk, uh, when, from when she went to England and back, uh, and it's in my basement and I redid it as well. So I have like those things that said, if my house was burning, I could not lift any of them to get them out of the house. (laughs) So they would, they would go and it would, it would be okay. But they're things that I do treasure, but I guess I'm not into little things, but I do have some, some cool pieces that I feel kind of, kind of attached to. And this, this did make me think of a couple things I know I have that I'm holding on to that I could let go of that are like, like you say, knickknacky things that I'm definitely ready to, because you know what I was thinking? When you were talking about that, if I got something for someone and they were feeling guilty and holding on to it, I would hope that they, yeah, yeah, I would say, oh my gosh, like really the whole part of gift giving, it happens in that moment Yes, when that person knows that you thought of them and that's it. The contract is over. There's nothing after that that requires you to keep anything or yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, You you need not be burdened. Right. The one thing that I just wanted to kind of circle back to was when you were talking about how you put work into the kitchen. So I do know that in my uh, closet where I have like toques and mittens and like, like those kind of things, I am a knitter and a crocheter have been since I was a teenager and I haven't done a ton of it lately, but I have toques and scarves that I've knitted. And even though I won't wear them anymore, I hesitate to give those away because it's my energy that went into making them. And there's something about that that makes me hesitate. So there is, there's definitely a piece of when you've put your, like sort of your heart and your energy and your soul into something, it's maybe a little more difficult to to let it go. Do you know what it reminds me of is when people have trouble letting go of clothing because they spent a lot of money on it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's true. They'll say, even if they've never worn it. Yes. I had a white blouse like this that was beautiful and it was a Ralph Lauren blouse. And I remember paying quite a bit for it and realizing I do not like wearing blouses. <laughs> and uh, I had it for so long and I couldn't let go of it. But I realized like it wasn't gaining value because I was holding on to it. Right. It wasn't contributing to my bottom line by sitting in my closet. It's a funny mental trick, it right? It is. Yeah. Well, it's also neat to talk about it, though, because then you might go, oh, right. Like, why am I holding on to that? It just seems a silly reason. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I like to think of? I like to think of the person at the thrift store flipping through the rack and going, um, did you see this? <laughs> nice. That's, that's and getting a good that way to do joy it. of the score. Oh, that's a good that's, way to do it for sure. That's sparking some joy for someone else, nice. right? Nice. All right. So now it is time for what are you digging lately? This segment is one that may or may not be related to our monthly theme. Peggy and I like to talk to each other about what podcasts we've been listening to, what books we've been reading, or just what random internet hilarity we found. And we feel like you might find it fun too. So each week, each of us will share something fun that we are loving, that we find useful or practical, or just something that is pure frivolity and fun. So this week I'm digging a book and the book is called Year Zero by an author, Robert Reed. So John and I, a few weeks ago, back at the beginning of February, 
went um, on a road trip up to near Barrie to go uh, snowboarding. So the drive, just for anybody that's not familiar with this area, it was about three hours or so in each direction. So we had six hours in the car and we like have some good conversation, but then we also have found that it's really cool to find a book that both of us will be interested in and listen to an audiobook en route. So we found this book, it was recommended by our friend, and it's so fun, and we both really loved it, so I'm going to recommend it here. And the synopsis of the book is, uh, through a cosmic fluke, humans are the only species, species in the universe with genuine musical talent. As a result, when anthropologists from the Intergalactic Refined League discover human music in 1977... The aesthetic shock revolutionizes their society. So basically, it's like all of these aliens out in the world who like are trying to make music, but they suck at it because they don't have the right hearing and atmosphere and humans can do it, but humans aren't refined. So now there's all this music that's been gone out into the universe and essentially downloaded illegally by all of the aliens out in the universe. And those aliens then will follow the rules of the society that they're taking art from. And they realize that there's copyright laws and they owe humans so much money that it will bankrupt the universe. So then it's basically what happens as a result of that, that all of these aliens are then trying to like figure out how can we sort out this conundrum. And there's like this, there's all sorts of fun things. If you're a music lover, you'll love this book because there's all sorts of lyrics in the the paragraphs of the book and song titles that are just like, um, like basically weaved in the conversation in the book, in the dialogue. And then there's something called the towns in line, which is this, uh, like barrier that they put up around the earth in 1977, because all of these aliens out in the universe were such giant who fans that they thought they would come to earth to go and see a who concert. So they had to put up a big barrier. Like it's, bananas it's very Am funny I high right now i think maybe the book maybe makes you feel like that but it's so fun and john and i both <laughs> loved it so i recommend it so the book is called Year- yeah it's crazy it's called year zero by robert reed so it's you know obviously it's a bit sci-fi and it if anybody's a music lover you'll really love it plus it's just kind of ridiculous and fun so that's what i'm digging this week did how did you come across this so our friend, uh, Kevin, who is a avid reader and he has like interesting eclectic book taste. He like reads all sorts of different kinds of books. He recommended this one to John and I, and I was like, okay, I'll try it. And it was good. Oh, it was fun. I think my stepmom would love this. I'm going to have to tell her about it. All right. What, what are you digging this week? I'm digging making bread. <laughs> of course you are. Yes. I... I don't know why I got this in my head a couple weeks ago, but anyway, since then I have made four loaves of bread (laughs) and it is just so good. Unless, um, unless you don't react well to gluten in that case, avoid this entirely. If you are not sensitive to gluten game on, if you are ready for your house to smell incredible, you got to try this. So the recipe, I'm going to give you the link to this. Uh, it's for white bread and it is a Julia Child recipe. It's an old recipe. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Cool. And it's for the recipe says it's for white sandwich bread. And so this is what I made initially. And then I have since tried using whole wheat flour. And next I'm going to experiment with adding some grains to it as well. So I'm just going to kind of keep trying things a little bit differently each time I make it. And this recipe makes two loaves. And my favorite thing 
about making the bread has been, so the one day I made it, we were going to my mom's for dinner. So I made a loaf for us at home. And then I split like the one into two kind of smaller loaves. And I gave one to my brother and his wife and one to my mom. And it just seems like such a nice thing to give someone like a a little like homemade loaf of bread. Um, Like that's love right there. And uh, I actually brought some to a friend's house on the weekend. And because I had made two loaves and she was staying with her mom. And I, so I showed up to, it was her um, toddler's birthday party. And so I rolled up and I've got this like loaf of bread under my arm. And it was still like I had popped it out of the oven, got in the car and gone to the party because I, I didn't plan my day very well. And so I walked into their house and her mom went to grab it from me. And I realized I was like, not letting it go. And I was referring to it as my emotional support bread. Kind of like how some people have emotional support animals. Um, I would just wanted to keep holding it because it was warm and it smelled so good. Oh, wow. So I ate a couple slices of the bread today. And we like my son asked for it right when he woke up this morning. It's just nice. Oh, it's a it's nice a thing. Yeah. And it was funny the first time I made it he said to me, um, mom, why would you make bread when you can just buy it at the store? Oh. Like he was not into it. And then he ate it and he was, and then I think he understood. He gets it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, but I cool. think, I think it's one of those things that I will enjoy it for a couple more weeks. And then I think we will probably have to intentionally cut ourselves off. Because it's like so delicious that you'll just find yeah. yourself in the emotional support bread place yeah. where you never come back. Constantly walking around with a loaf of bread under my arm. <laughs> I love it. It's so nice. It's just the smell. Ugh. Yeah, that does smell delicious. Yes. All right, let's move on from that. Now it's time for you win or you learn. Each week, Jenny and I will trade off during this segment to let you know where we did something right and there is cause to celebrate or where something perhaps went off the rails and allowed for a learning opportunity. These can be related to our journey as we take on new habits, or they might just be kind of celebrations and bumps in the road in our everyday lives. Uh, So this week, I'm up for the win. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked in Habits Corner uh, with our online pretend best friend, James Clear, about Mm -hmm. the concept of imitating the close and how you often take on the habits of the people that you are closest to or that you hang out with. So last week, um, I went to Blue Mountain for the day to go snowboarding and it was me and five dudes. So it was John and John's brother and a few of their friends. And it was kind of a a strange thing for me to be hanging out with five dudes, but it was all good. But the cool part, and this is how it relates to imitating the close is that all of them are very experienced on their snowboards and they're, and they've been doing it for like 20 years and they're all kind of a bit crazy too. So I knew that if I wanted to hang out with them, I had to keep up. So my riding really got up leveled because if I wanted to stay with them, there was no other option than to go faster and be more aggressive than I had been used to up to that point. So it was a super fun day and it felt so good to improve my skills like that. And I was super tired at the end of the day, but it just really reiterated for me is that if you have a skill that you want to learn, if you want to run faster, go with people who run faster. If you want to ride your snowboard faster, go with people who are more experienced. If you want to like learn about business, go and hang out with people that know about business. If you want to know more about your finances, hang out with people that are successful in that way. There is something awesome about it that was very evident to me that day because I definitely, even when it was happening, I was just like, not even thinking about it too much. I was just like, keep up, keep up, keep up. So it was great. 
That's cool. That reminds me of that conversation we had a little while back about um, Ethan's sport thing that he was in, that they do all different sports. And he was the youngest by far. And it was really a challenge for him to keep up with the bigger kids. And now I don't remember what it was we were talking about, but he was saying about wanting to play a sport or something but wanting to make sure that there was not going to be anybody better than him in the class <laughs> because he just did not want to have that experience of being pushed like that. He wanted a break from it. So it's interesting <laughs> that that's his like five-year-old interpretation uh, of the thing. And my interpretation of it was, oh my goodness, like, let's go. So I'm sure yes. that obviously that will ebb and flow as he goes through different learning stages in his life. Yes. <laughs> oh, he's got a bit of his mother in him where it's just like, ah, <laughs> oh, enough. Let's just chill for a bit here. Anyways, I considered it a win because I really That's did up level. I did up level my riding game and I'm a relatively new snowboarder. I've only been doing it for five or six years. So it's, pre and especially as an older person learning it, I got so excited to increase my skills and it really was about hanging out with people that were doing it better. So it was awesome. Yeah. I think that there really is something to be said for that. And that's very cool. So I'm up for the learn. Ugh. Okay, so let's just get to it. Okay. I've been adding in some exercises to my daily routine of walking on the treadmill or in the real world as well uh, by doing some planks and 100s. Do you know what I mean by 100s? I think we've talked about it before, but remind me. Feet, like, so you're on your back, your feet are kind of in the air, your head is up and your arms are stretched out and you kind of pulse your arms like you can't see this, but I'm doing, <laughs> making this gesture for Peg to see. Okay. So it's a, it's, it's an ab exercise and it, it's challenging. Okay. I was on a streak of, I think about 10 days on where, so every day I was doing the walking and then doing these planks and one hundreds. And that was my new standard was that had to happen every day. Okay. And then on a weekend I got doing things and I realized that I missed the day before but I know what went wrong. Okay. I haven't used the strategy of pairing because I just straight up, it wasn't that I decided not to do it. It was that I just forgot. Yeah. Um, and it was, so pairing was something that we learned about from Gretchen Rubin. Right. And it has, and that's where you add on something to, you know, perhaps another habit like flossing easy to do right after I brush my teeth at night. I know that's when I do it. Easy peasy. I have not been clear about when I'm going to do this. So it is easier for me to forget that I need to do it. Going forward, I'm just going to find a way to tie it into something in my day that happens every single day. Our friend James Clear refers to this as habit stacking. So it's right. kind of the same thing. He calls it something different. So for example, I could do this exercise right after I walk on the treadmill, since the treadmill is something that I already do every day and it's locked in and I could just tack this on at the end. Perfect. Theoretically. But do you know, it, it's a weird time to do it, but right before I get in bed. And then does it like get you all fired up though and your heart rates up and then you feel like not sleepy or is it okay? No, because then I'm really tired. Oh, okay. <laughs> so then my body feels kind of exhausted. Okay. All which right. kind of feels good. And I, I think that I, I really dislike doing it. And so it is one of those things where I really procrastinate it right until the end of the day. So if that's the case, maybe you should just get it done right this is the beginning of the day. So then it's done and you don't have to think about it again. Yeah. <laughs> Checks out. I, you're making I a mean, face like you're not really going to do that. I mean, I agree that it's a great idea. Right. 
morning Jenny is a little bit tougher to convince than evening Jenny. Evening okay. Jenny's like, yes, do it right as soon as you get out of bed before you even leave your room. <laughs> Morning Jenny's like, well, I don't want to use up all my time. I could be doing other things. Yeah, I feel like there's that that probably is something that resonates with most people is their evening self and their morning self. Yes. So speaking of, let's talk about next week since we're talking about different versions of ourselves. <laughs> okay. Next week future us will continue with our decluttering challenge on our quest to create our inner calm through our outer order. We will continue to explore the impact that letting go of our possessions can have on us and really get intentional about why and how we are going to let go of our things. Awesome. And that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. We would love to hear if you are playing the men's game with us this month. We would love to see what you're getting rid of. Take photos, post it on the socials, and use the hashtag The Improvement Project and the hashtag Men's Game. Get in touch. Our email address is theimprovementproject at drpeggymalone.com. Jenny is on Twitter at jkouse, and I'm on Instagram at drpeggymalone. You can always get our attention by using the hashtag The Improvement Project. You'll find all of the resources and links that we mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. If you like the show, and we hope you do, please be sure to tell a friend and even show them how to listen to a podcast because some people might not know. Also, subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. We also have a Facebook group, so search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Now go get to work on improving the most important project that you have. That's you. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay focused and get after it. You know what I think you should do? What? Stay focused and get after it. (laughs) Yes, girl.